So you could freeze your eggs and you could say, okay, you know, I finally found my person and I'm ready to start my family. And you see the doctor and it doesn't work. And so I didn't know that until when I started going through my fertility treatments, the doctor said, look, I appreciate that you have your egg on ice, so to speak, but you have to know that it's not a backup plan. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Welcome to the True Fiction Project, a podcast series that explores the origins of fiction. Every week, we begin with an interview, nonfiction, followed by a creative piece, fiction, inspired by something from the interview. The idea is to demonstrate, of course, that fiction is born out of our life experiences. Now, here's your host, storyteller, author, public speaker, health and wellness expert, Renita Hora. Welcome back to the True Fiction Project. I am your host, Renita Hora. And I have with me on today's show, Julia Carroll, who is the creator of the Storked Podcast. Now, Julia has a very interesting background because she hails from the finance industry, yet she has created a wonderfully intriguing podcast, which to me in many ways reminds me of perhaps the nonfiction version of Modern Family. So without much ado, let's jump right into it. Hi, Julia. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to get to know you better. Likewise, thanks for joining us on the True Fiction Project. And I have to ask, is that description accurate? Is this a nonfiction version of Modern Family? You know, I really love that, partly because I love that that show highlights and showcases so many different types of families. And so, you know, yeah, to be said in the same breath, to be spoken of in the same breath as a wonderful show like that is wonderful. I also like to think of it as maybe an alternative form of modern love. And mm. instead of talking about the way in which people come together and find love, we talk about the way in which people come together and find family. And so somewhere between those two, a nonfiction version of modern family or an alternative to modern love, I think is exactly where I'd like to see Stork situated. Now, I have to ask you right off the bat, what is the meaning of traditional family and love. Okay, when I say what is the meaning, that's a bit of a rhetorical question. I think we all know, at least we have an idea in our heads. But I guess my question really should be, what is the need for an untraditional take on either love or family in today's world? Yeah, and I would push back on you to some extent. I don't know that traditional or untraditional is the right framework. For me, it's really about identifying what the right structure of family is for each individual person. And I think, unfortunately, mm -hmm. that our traditional um, mores have made it so that there was one thing that was acceptable to so many people. And we were taught that there was one style of family that was the right choice. And that is still the right choice for very, very many people. But there are other choices, or there are other ways to create that one choice. And so the podcast is intended to be a celebration of all the different styles of family and all the different paths to create family. So I would love to jump right into your reasons for starting this podcast. You have your own story. And from what I understand, you decided to do things differently, or perhaps in what you thought were not the traditional way. Is that right? Yeah. You know, I think I grew up in a very quote unquote traditional family. Uh, my parents are still married and very happily so. And I'm the eldest of three girls. I'm very close with my sisters. And I really loved that family dynamic growing up. 
I also grew up with a lot of aunts and uncles and cousins, and it was a pretty large, happy family, I would say. And so that was my mental model for what family could and should be. And it was the path that I was pursuing in um, my dating relationships and as I grew from being a teenager to my 20s, 30s, etc. Um, where I sit now, however, is that I've chosen to become a single mother by choice. Mm. And that came about because even though I was intending to create, quote unquote, a traditional family, the dating relationships that I was having didn't end up in service to that family. And I found myself at a couple of different crossroads thinking about whether I should pursue a relationship that wasn't quite a right fit or continue dating and wait and see if the family stuff would come together and ultimately decided that having a baby was more important to me than anything. And so I, I guess you would call that non-traditional these days, although I do think that there are more and more people making that same choice that I made, which is to say there is something that is more important to me than the way my family looks, and that is having all the love um, and joy that a family brings in whatever way, shape, or form that comes. What was it that drove you specifically to choose to be a single mom? Yeah. So we'll go back a little bit. You know, I was one of those people who did um, enjoy dating relationships. There are some individuals I know who just never found that dating was for them and chose to become a single mom by choice, you know, without having gone down the dating path. That was not me. I was in a long-term relationship in my 20s with a really magnificent person, and it didn't work out with us at that point. And then I had a lot of fun in my late 20s and early 30s and dated around and got to know some really great guys and then um, found myself in what I thought was going to be the forever relationship in my mid-30s. Um, mm -hmm. I was with this gentleman for about five years. We met each other because our dogs met first. You know, a, a <laughs> friend of mine was was dog-sitting for him, and I went for a walk with my dog and, and his dog and my friend, and I said, you know, who is who is this dog belong to? And she said, oh, my friend. And she gave me his name and showed me his picture, and I said, I need to meet that man. And that's how our relationship <laughs> started. And I thought, you know, that was fated, that our dogs had brought us together and that our, our lives would be entwined forever. And I was wrong. You know, I, I ended up suffering... Oh, I'd hate to even use the word suffering, but I ended up experiencing a breakup in my mid-30s, which I found to be really devastating. And in hindsight, now that I'm almost 40 and so wise, I say facetiously, I can look back and see that there was never the right relationship for me. It was never the right fit. But because mm. it was that time that people were settling down and beginning to build families and all my friends were having their engagements and then their weddings and then their first kid and then their second kid, I just assumed, you know, because we were in our 30s that we would settle down and get married. So when that didn't happen, I really hit a bad space and, and really started to break down. And so it was the healing process that I went through that, you know, to emerge from that horrible breakup that has brought me to where I am today. And, and we can talk through that if you want, you know, the, the journey I took from an unhappy breakup to, I think it's about five years later now, and I have a six-month-old son who is just the light of my life and the best thing in the world. You know, here you are in a bad breakup, you know, being the dog mom or the dog parents yeah. is clearly not working out. Where do you go from there? <laughs> yeah. And I love that you said the dog mom, because that so is part of my identity. Um, I have a mug that I usually use for many of my podcasts that says, says dog mom on it. 
<laughs> and, and at one point I had to reconcile with the possibility that that was going to be my sole identity, that there was no mothering in my future beyond um, canines. And, and that is totally fine. I know a number of people who choose to become dog parents or cat parents or whomever, because for them, an animal is, is everything that they could want. Uh, while I love animals and find caring for them immensely fulfilling, I knew that I needed something more. I knew that becoming a parent was something that was just so critically important to me. So if we flash backwards, I'm 35 and utterly heartbroken. And I'm embarrassed to say that I moved home with my parents for a period of time. They were around the corner and I just said, you know, I don't want to sleep at my house tonight. And tonight turned into this week and then this month. And um, so what I did was I actually rented out my apartment and just took a step back from it and moved in with my parents and totally went into this like cocoon of wallowing, I think, in my sadness, which is it sounds terrible. It sounds very self-indulgent and very privileged. And it was those things. But it was mm. also a really nice healing space to go back to a point where I got to be mothered a little bit by my parents. And I got to spend some time and space to think about who I am as a person and what I wanted. And so I spent a couple months there. In that time, I worked with life coaches who just helped me reconnect to who I am as a person and what was important to me. And it was from that journey, that, that self-exploration, the reading tons of self-help books, the doing deep journaling, the crying on the bathroom floor, the calling all of my girlfriends, you know, all that stuff that one does when, when going through a major turning point in life. And from the work with the life coach that I identified being a parent was immensely important. So mm -hmm. the first thing I did once I made that discovery was I had my eggs frozen. And for those of you who have been through egg freezing, you know a little bit about the experience. If you have never been through egg freezing, it's the first half of IVF. So it's a, a good portion of um, time and money and a lot of hormones. You're giving yourself daily injections of hormones that ultimately culminates in a surgery that removes some harvested eggs and puts them basically in a freezer for future use. And so that really preserves your options for if you do meet the man of your dreams later on, but your fertility is starting to decline, then you've got this quote unquote backup plan. So that was the first thing I did. And then the second thing I did was I continued down a spiritual journey, which included a lot of literal and uh, metaphorical renovation of myself. Uh, the literal renovation was I actually renovated my condo and, and created a new space for my my physical self, you know, who I am as a person, and also just sort of by tearing down the structures of my old life and rebuilding, it sort of had a, I don't know, I, I felt like that was sort of an important component of rebuilding who I was as a person and just like literally tearing down everything, all the structures of my life. The science is still a little bit, now listen, I'm not a doctor, so I want to put that <laughs> caveat out there, but my perception and the way I articulate it to friends is that the science is not yet perfect. It's still a combination of science and magic. I know that sounds crazy, but mm -hmm. you can do everything right. Uh, you can eat healthy. You can have a perfect lifestyle. You can, you know, be grounded in meditation. You can do all the fertility treatments with the best doctors at the best clinic, and it might never work for you. 
And even the best doctors may not know why. You know, undiagnosed infertility is one of the most common um, issues facing my generation. And the same is true for egg freezing. So I love that egg freezing is this wonderful option available to women. And that for many of us, particularly those focused on our careers, um, it gives mm -hmm. us an opportunity to continue working down the career, you know, wait till you get to the big promotion or wait till the right time in your life to choose to have kids, even if you're in a traditional relationship in a traditional marriage or to find the right person, right? So one of the things I was really afraid of in my dating life was that I would be so pressured to have kids that I would settle down with the wrong person. And to me, being married to the wrong person and then either going through a divorce and having to split custody or settling into a terrible relationship for the kids was way worse than either not having kids or choosing to do it on my own. So egg freezing really gives you frees you from that it frees you from bad mm -hmm. choices and bad relationships and forcing a relationship that shouldn't be that said it's not perfect right so you could freeze your eggs and you could say okay you know i finally found my person and i'm ready to start my family and you see the doctor and it doesn't work and so i didn't know that until when i started going through my fertility treatments the doctor said look i appreciate that you have your eggs on on ice so to speak but you have to know that it's not a backup plan you can't schedule your life and say, okay, now I'm going to use my frozen eggs and I can have complete control over my body and the universe and, you know, play God, so to speak. Mm. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So that's the only right. caution I give is that it is a plan B, but it's an imperfect plan B. Yeah, an imperfect plan, just kind of like anything else. And I, I like okay, the thanks. way you put it, you know, you say it's a combination of science and magic. And that really is what life is all about. So Coming yeah. back to your magic, did yeah. you take your eggs out of the freezer and did the magic happen that way? Oh my God, I got so lucky. So after all the like spiritual exploration and all that stuff, the first thing is, and let's talk about the literal magic for a second. I was going down a life renovation, a physical renovation of my home, and then um, a spiritual journey. And the culmination of that spiritual journey for me was that I went on a trip to Peru and went to the mountains of Peru with a special group of individuals that support these very remote um, indigenous populations with a lot of support services to maintain and retain their culture. And so it's very hard to get into this part of Peru and it's very hard to get to these mountains. But because a friend of a friend had a relationship with somebody who runs this organization, I was able to go with a group of people. And you know, we're talking like a part of the, the landscape, a part of the world that National Geographic has never even visited. Like very, very, mm -hmm. very lucky, um, unbelievable once in a lifetime opportunity. And while there, while on the mountains, I got to go through some healing with a shaman who had been struck by lightning. So in this particular culture, getting struck by lightning is considered to be um, very good luck and an indication, you know, like a God's indication or the God's that this person is blessed, magically blessed. Mm. And this particular gentleman who's an, an elder gentleman was struck by lightning not once, but twice. And so he was like, I think in the Irish tradition, it's like the seventh son of a seventh son or seventh, you know, something like that is, is the equivalent. It's somebody who's so, so, so magically blessed. So I got to do this healing and I asked him, you know, open my heart to find love and then open my womb to find a family. And I came back down from the mountains and literally like the first day that I'm back in Boston and I'm readjusting from this wonderful, incredibly expansive trip 
to the real world, I said, okay, I'm going to open my app and I'm going to force myself to go on a couple more dates before ultimately choosing to become a single mom by choice. So that weekend, I started chatting. I think I was on Bumble and I started Mm -hmm. chatting with a couple people that those conversations led to three dates with two people that were horrible and one person that was just incredible. You know, just like wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person. And I live in Boston and it was very clear from just before the first date, you know, we're we're scheduling, which bar are we going to meet up in? This is pre-pandemic. And he says, just, you know, I live in California. And I said, oh, shoot. (laughs) Because we'd had such a good conversation up until that point. But I said, okay, fine. Well, if you live in California and I live in Boston, I'll just go on this date as practice. It'll be the thing that gets me out there so I can date again and give this one last shot before choosing this alternative path, which is becoming a single mom. And I I guess you can imagine where this is going. Of course, Mm. date one goes so wonderfully that we're like, damn it, that practice date has turned into a relationship with somebody who lives across the country. Oh, goodness. Right. So you can see how things are starting to get a little complicated. I'm getting older. I'm ready. You know, I've told the universe in so many words on various mountaintops that I'm ready for the next phase for the family building. And here is this man who's so wonderful. He's everything I thought I wanted, but he lives in California and he can't move. So then I find myself in a long distance relationship and we have to have some of those difficult conversations Or I said, you know, I'm, I get that you can't move. I really need to have kids. Do you think that's something we could do together? And it was way too early to be having that conversation, particularly living in different states. So he said, go do your thing. Uh, We can continue dating. We can parallel path this. You go Mm -hmm. do whatever you need to do, which is incredibly supportive and super complicated. And so I did. So I, I went down the fertility journey. I had picked out all my doctors and done all the planning and, you know, done all the prep work for months and months and months beforehand and started in earnest the process in February of 2020. And then the pandemic hit. And fertility treatments during a pandemic, that's a whole other animal. Easier said than done. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So that was a very long-winded answer of saying, I think your original question was, did I end up using my frozen eggs? I was very lucky that I did not use my frozen eggs. If you're familiar with fertility treatments at all, there's a couple phases that one goes through. Um, Mm -hmm. And the first is something called IUI which is intrauterine insemination, um, where they use frozen sperm. It's basically a very advanced turkey baster method. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you would move on to an IVF process. And I was lucky that my third IUI actually was successful. It was, you use the word magic, it was definitely magic because it was the one that was not supposed to work. You know, uh, there's a lot of statistics involved in fertility treatments. And Mm -hmm. this was the one where the doctor called and said, you know, I'm looking at all the data and I'm looking at your stats. And it just, this is the likelihood of this particular round being successful is extremely slim. I think the percentages went from 11% likelihood down to six. And yet that was the one that worked. The night before was one of those unseasonably warm November. It was November. And we were, it was so warm that we were on a roof deck bar in t-shirts celebrating the end of the pandemic. We thought it was over in November of 2020, which is hilarious. 
And I was like, I'm getting, I'm going through my treatment tomorrow and I, it's not going to work. The doctor said it's probably, it's highly unlikely. So let's just have a lot of drinks. And I got myself very tipsy and I credit, you know, the relaxation that came with just letting it go and assuming it wasn't going to work. And a kid who definitely wanted to be here with the success of that IUI because it was by all intents and purposes, highly unlikely to succeed. Wonderful. And who's the lucky kid? <laughs> oh my God. He's wonderful. He is six months old and he's just a delight. He's got like, actually this weekend, he just started crawling, not quite perfectly mm. crawling, but like scooting around a little bit oh. on his elbows. And he's, he's a very happy child and I'm extremely happy with him. I think he's, he's just like the best thing in the world. Um, seems pretty easygoing. I mean, all kids cry and they're not always smiley and bright and cheerful, but this one has just like the best laugh and he finds it readily. Like he's just constantly giggling. And so I, I just, it's like the best. That's such a wonderful, warming story, Julia. Many congratulations. And you know, it really makes me think I'm from India and we strongly believe in India that every soul, you know, chooses when to be born, which parents to be born to and sort of what life they will at least embark upon in this I, next part I of love their that. journey. <laughs> that is so, so special. I love that so much. Yeah. So it, it, you know, it really reminds me of that. And it sounds just like that. Thank you. Well, Julia, it has been such a pleasure to listen to your story and to have you as a guest on the True Fiction Podcast. I, for one, cannot wait to see the fiction piece that comes out of this. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited to see the fiction that comes out of this. I hope it's just beautiful, and I know it's going to be even more special than my story. That was Julia Carroll. She is the creator of Storked, the podcast which you can, of course, listen to on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And now to the premise of the True Fiction Project, which, of course, is to create fiction out of nonfiction. And now for today's short story, Rose Journey of Love, written and recorded by Priya Sharma Sheikh. The screen lit up. Ro, a bright green colored soul in the realm, did a few quick twirls. Zip. Zip, zip. He was excited. Macy's spark was on the screen again. Her blonde hair framed her beautiful long face. Her deep blue eyes blinked at her reflection in the mirror before she stepped out of her home. Boston was aglow with sunshine. Macy looked up at the clear sky and hailed a taxi. Ro continued to watch her on the screen and turned to look around his best friend in the realm, Ra. I spy with my soul eyes, my best buddy, Ra. There you are. You know you can't hide from me in the realm, said Ro, taking Ra into a dizzy twirl. Whoa, slow down, Ro. What is hate? Drawled Ra, a yellow-colored soul. Update on Macy Spark. 
She's seeing her gynecologist today. Man, it's finally going to happen, said Ro and did another set of twirls. Zip, zip, zip. That's exciting, ha, 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 said Ra, looking bored stiff. Choose her already and let me get my sleep before my onward soul body journey. Ro twirled Ra again and giggled. No, you don't. Do you know what I like about her, Ra? Pursued Ro. She is close to the one in her beingness and she is adorable, intelligent and kind. Said Ra in a robot-like tone. Yes, you know me so well. That's why you're my realm bestie. And that you've told me all about Macy over a hundred times. I have? Ah. But Ra, look at her. The twinkle is missing from her eyes. But at least the tears have lessened. That last relationship really broke her heart. Ah. I can't believe anyone can see her hurting and be okay with that. I really want to see her smile again and bring back that twinkle in her eyes. In a conversation with her coach, she became aware that having a child will bring her true joy. And that child, my friend, is going to be moi. Yes, truly. The one who will bring back her smile. Let's do this, Macy. I have chosen you to be my ma. Gushed Ro. Ro, I am tired of your endless Macy charade. Actually, I'm tired of you. Don't follow me, blurted Ra and floated out of the twirling Rose sight. Some time had passed when Dro tracked Ra down again. As expected, Ra was in deep slumber. She's frozen her eggs, Ra, said Ro and plonked onto Ra. Ra saw that Ro looked forlorn and said, What do you mean? She's chosen not to have a baby now. She says science and the magical powers of God can make her have a baby later when she finds her Mr. Right. I celebrated too soon, Ra. It's going to be a while before she's a mother. I hope it's not too late, said Ro. Stop being so dramatic. Just choose a different mom, said Ra, and pushed Ro into a reluctant, slow twirl. But it won't be Macy, and I'm running out of time. My color has changed to orange. It's not long before I'll turn red and be forced to choose another soul body, said Rose, slouched against Ra. A few weeks had passed when Ro floated excitedly towards a very red Ra. She's just returned from a remote village in the mountains in Peru. She'd gone there to follow through on her healing process. I'm not listening anymore, 
Earl persisted and said, Yes, you are. She met a senior shaman there, who people believe is magically blessed after being struck by lightning twice. His conversations helped her heal. Ra yawned and tried to make an inconspicuous exit. However, Ro's storytelling and attempts to keep Ra engaged were relentless. You don't want to miss this part, buddy, said the animated Ro. Before leaving Peru, Macy looked up at the sky and called out aloud with tears in her eyes. Help me! I have opened my heart to find love and opened my womb to have a child. She is ready to have me. She's been dating again. She met, she met this incredible guy in California and they're in a long distance relationship. And here's the best part. He's supportive of her decision to have a child on her own. That's special indeed. She will finally get what she wants, said Ra. Ro took Ra into a slow, graceful twirl. Zzzzp. 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 Some more time passed, and this time Ra sought out Ro. Hey Ro, I have news for a change. My soul body journey is going to begin soon. In a humble home, in a place called Andheri in Mumbai, India. Looks like it's going to be a Punjabi girl pressing the button, said Ra, now very deep red in color, which indicated readiness to unite with a new soul body. I'm really going to miss you, Ra, said Ra, who had also turned red. I have news too. Macy finally made her decision to be a single mom and she's chosen to go with one of the IUIs that has a 6% likelihood of working out. She is not letting off her momentum on the family building now that her mind is made up. And I'm like, you go girl. That is great news, Ro. I'm sure Macy will have her baby soon. I just hope it is you who are the one that can gurgle your love to her and make her smile, said Ra. And then, on seeing Ro's anxiety, added, I say so because, you know, we are both deep red now, and we will probably start blinking and zap out of here to be with our respective soul bodies soon, said Ra. Yes, I know. I'm anxious for what lies ahead. Ro, before we go, I have something to say. You know, I've always chosen my soul body blindly. Because as souls, we love the bodies we belong to nevertheless. That is our beingness. Because we are a part of the one. So I've never cared about who I'm taking a ride with. Because my why is very clear. That I am there to love and partner my soul body. Whatever their journey be. Thanks, Ra. I needed that. I admire your patience for Macy, and I wish she happens for you. But wherever you end up being, my friend, I know you will have a great ride, as that is your true beingness. May the power of the One always be, said Ra, and took Ro into a synchronized twirl. Zip, 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 zip. 
just then, Rose started blinking. Looks like my button is hit, Ra, said Ro after several twirls. It's Macy. I'm going to my chosen ma. I will bring back that twinkle in her eyes and I'll meet you right back here with all my stories. Bean row and in a zap disappeared from the realm. Ra laughed out aloud, did a gentle twirl, zip, blinked and in a zap disappeared from the realm too. Here at the True Fiction Project, we are always looking for great stories that make for compelling fiction. So, if you have a great story or know somebody who does, or if you are a writer who would like to contribute, then please do get in touch with us at renita.com forward slash contact. Thank you for listening to the True Fiction Project with Renita Hora. Be sure to subscribe to the newsletter to receive more inspiring stories showing how fiction is born from our everyday experiences. For more information, visit www.truefictionproject.com. Music